This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. It hurts to hear comments even though you know they aren't true because you care so much about what the other person thinks, but it's the intensity of your reaction that's giving you the clue about where you need to dig for truth. This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. My home is where orchids come to die. Well, that's what my husband always says anyway, and He's actually right. I sort of have a black thumb when it comes to houseplants of any kind. And I have this garden that's filled with low-maintenance perennials that require little to no tending because that's the way I like it. Because while I love the beauty and the color and the bounty of nature and flowers, I have a really hard time maintaining them. In truth, I really am personally a low-maintenance person in general. I have very basic and minimal needs around space and place. I have a favorite chair, and I have my favorite shoes, and I have my go-to TV shows and my go-to snacks, and I'm really a creature of habit. And when I have free time, well, I like to read or take a long bath, preferably while reading. But you know, my dearest friends, they're very different than me. One of them is athletic and really active. For her, a day without a run or a hot yoga class and a long uphill bike ride is just not a day for her. And I have another friend who loves to climb mountains, walls, trees, anything that keeps her moving. And I, well, I'm a couch potato. And it's no surprise that in almost all areas, these women friends of mine are profoundly different from me. To quote my favorite writer, Fran Leibowitz, a humorist from New York, some people want to go back to the land. I want to go back to the hotel. So how is it that differences in us aren't threatening or disharmonious? Why is it that rather than feeling judged and threatened for my inertia, I know that these women, they enjoy the contrast between us rather than think ill of me? And why am I not judgy about my girlfriend who has never met a fat she liked or eaten anything that isn't clean and natural, whereas I like the fat that's stuck to the bottom of the roast chicken pan, and I adore Little Debbie Swiss rolls. So I've been thinking lately about this as another girlfriend shared her sorrow and her feeling of being unsafe in relationships with people who are different from her. She feels like passive little barbs attack her like death by a million cuts. She feels attacked for her shtick rather than appreciated for it. She feels judged rather than supported. And she is not the only one. I constantly hear about pain caused by other people's comments that they try to pass themselves off as concern when they're truly just criticism dressed up differently. Now, I was blessed with a father who got a kick out of me. He even found my blunders and my huge mistakes vaguely amusing. You see, he was able to detach his identity from mine. So, 
when I went far afield, and I often did, it didn't feel like a threat to his identity, so he had no reason to attack mine. And what a blessing that was. I grew up knowing that I was loved and respected just for who I was, that even my shtick was amusing. And so I think because of that, I grew up comfortable in my own skin. And also, even with that blessed upbringing, I'm not immune to the pain of direct or passive attacks from other people. But I've learned that there's a profound opportunity buried within the pain they cause. Let me share a story I heard once that blew my mind. A psychiatrist was interrupted repeatedly by a ringing phone in his office. It was so persistent, even though he was doing his paperwork, he decided to answer it. Now, on the other line was one of his female patients. Let's call her Jane Smith, okay? Now, Jane was hysterical, sobbing and screaming, I need to come in right now. I need an appointment now. Doctor, I'm falling apart. My husband just told me I'm a terrible mother. I'm a useless, terrible, awful mother. I can't bear it. It's killing me. How could he? How could he? She sobbed and screamed through the phone. And the doctor said, Jane... Perhaps this is a bad time to tell you this, but I need to stop treating you. You see, I'm unable to focus properly when we have sessions because I'm consumed with staring at the birthmark on your cheek. It's become a sort of compulsion for me and my own therapist, because therapists see therapists too. Well, he suggested that if I can't look and listen without obsessing about your face, then you would do better with a different doctor. And I'm so sorry, Jane, but this is what's best for you. And the woman stopped crying for a second, and she said, Doctor, this is Jane Smith. The doctor then replied, Yes, I know, and I'm so sorry, but I just cannot treat you anymore. The birthmark has distracted me, and I am not doing my job properly because of it, and this is entirely my failing, not yours. The woman now stops crying and screaming and, with a hint of humor and maybe a touch of impatience, says, Doctor, perhaps you have another patient named Jane Smith, but I most certainly do not have a birthmark on my cheek. Ah, said the doctor, you see how you react when there's no truth to an accusation? You need to examine why you might think that there's some truth in your husband's remarks or you wouldn't be reacting the way you are now. Now, although there's many circumstances where it hurts to hear comments, even though you know they aren't true because you care so much about what the other person thinks and that that's part of being a sensitive and empathetic person, But it's the intensity of your reaction that's giving you the clue about where you need to dig for truth. Often, our reactions to the comments of others say more about our own self-concept than anything else. If we have ambivalence of discomfort around who and what we are and how we move through the world, then the slightest comment can send us spiraling. When we have a solid sense of ourselves, warts and all, and we're doing our best to be our best selves, then nasty comments are at worst an irritant and an annoyance 
but they don't decimate us. One of the best responses for that kind of passive-aggressive comment is to say this. Hmm, that felt hurtful. Well, I better examine what's triggering it in me before I respond to you. Or, ouch, that stung. I can't imagine why you'd want me to feel that way, so I better explore why I'm feeling so reactive. Or this. Interesting. I could not disagree with you more. Or, hmm, you're stating the obvious, my friend. That's me. I am working on myself constantly, though, so thanks for the feedback. This kind of response requires a clarity that was either raised into you or that you acquired through hard personal work. It allows us to respond like Jane Smith when outrageous things are said to us. We recognize who we are and we discard comments that are baseless. And we waste less time hurting over the projections of others upon our lives. This week, can you make the decision to refuse to internalize the barbs of others, but instead using them as a starting point to dig into self-reflection? Can you examine the comment for its veracity? And if it's truly for you, then just work on that piece of yourself. But if it's not true for you, just set it aside and allow for the occasional projection that's going to get hurtled your way. Because no one really gets upset when what they hear has absolutely zero basis in truth. This week, can you dig into the things that are very triggering for you and be honest with where you're actually standing? Can you ask yourself honestly if the things that hurt the most have any glimmer of truth in them? And if they do, can you create a plan to begin the work that's necessary to adjust them? Because that's enough work in and of itself. Because we're all works in progress, coming from backgrounds and personalities that vary wildly. And while we all need to do the work, we must never forget that despite our challenges and our sensitivities, we are created in the image of God, and we are not just a work in progress. We are also a work of art. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.